As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, Welcome to the Boston Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packer, professional sports fan, and I'm joined as always by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And folks, the streak is over. The Celtics could not extend their nine-game winning streak to 10 as they took a loss against the Chicago Bulls. They have two losses in regulation this season, both coming in Chicago. They have two losses in overtime, both coming against the Cavaliers, but they fall the Chicago Bulls last night. And Jay, the turnovers are back. Is this a, a long-term thing, or is just something that was uh, weird about playing in Chicago last night? Probably more of a short-term thing. Uh, entering last night's game, Celtics ranked fourth in turnover rate, so they've done a really good job taking care of the ball. Their offense has been extremely sharp most nights, but it's also really tough to play offense like the way they do. Like they're always cutting, they're always moving, they're they're always making, they're always in the right spacing, like. It's hard to stay at that level of attention all the time. And the Celtics just didn't have it in Chicago. (laughs) It was pretty clear from right away that the Celtics just did not have their A game. Joe Mazzulla, he who does not call timeouts, called timeout with 845 (laughs) left in the the first quarter. When the game was 5-3, it wasn't like Chicago had even gone on a big run. Joe just looked at, he looked out at the court. It was like, you know what? I don't like what's going on right now. And the Celtics never really snapped out of that. Um, the offense was bad. Turnovers were bad. Defense never got operating at a high level. It was just, I mean, after nine straight wins, I guess they were kind of due for a dud. But it was a dud. It was definitely a dud. It was most definitely a dud. Maybe. They were like our friend John Corrales and had spent a little bit too much time in New Orleans with that off day. Who knows? Um, but you did, like, it's impossible to win every game. Uh, 
But you're right. Their offense just didn't look crisp last night. And why is it impossible? Uh, I mean, I guess anything highly is improbable. Highly yeah, improbable. <laughs> we've if we've never seen it happen. I guess teams do could potentially. It's not impossible. You're right, Jay. I should be careful with my words. It's not impossible. As a lawyer, you should know the impact of of words. Words are important. I've learned that in law school. You're correct, Jay. I stand down. You raised an objection, and then the judge said sustained. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, like if you look at the final numbers of the game, like they did shoot. 38% from three, like the, the the total numbers weren't awful. I mean, but then you look at the turnovers and it was not great. Uh, I think I, one question, I the biggest question I had of this game is you look at the, the box score and the minutes played for the Celtics in a game where they, you mentioned it, like they clearly didn't have it from the start. Jason Tatum played almost 36 minutes, Grant 35, Al Horford 35, Jalen Brown 38, Marcus Smart 35, only 25 minutes from Brogdon, 17 minutes from Derek White, who's been like phenomenal while all these guys have been out. And uh, we got a little bit of Cornet and a little bit of Hauser. In a game where they didn't really have it, and maybe you could make the argument that maybe some of the guys off the bench, I don't know, uh, maybe giving them a push. But also in a season where they're supposed to be getting more rest for these guys. Um, and I know I just mentioned they came off kind of an, an extended rest uh, or days off between games. Is there any bit of concern for us, like how many minutes the guys like Jason Tatum, who has not missed a game yet, are getting? Or Al Horford, who's um, quite old in NBA terms. Any concern for just like the minutes that those guys got in a, in a night where, you know, they clearly didn't have it? I don't think the single game minutes are that big a deal like nobody played 45 or 46 or even close to that nobody even played 40 the the bigger issue to me is that like the minutes are just continuously adding up for these guys they haven't had many nights where they only play 20 minutes or like that i think jason tatum and jalen brown are are both last time I checked at least they were both in the top five in minutes per game yeah Jason Tatum is number two in minutes per game at 37.2 only Donovan Mitchell has played more Jalen Brown is 12th in minutes per game and and that's not what you want especially for Tatum one of the one of the goals coming into the season was supposed to be to cut down minutes on him instead he's playing every night he's playing a ton every night and and I just think, yes, the Celtics are racking up wins. Yes, they have the best record in the East. But the whole point after getting the finals last year, running out of steam this year, was supposed to be that they learned from that and that they need to have those guys fresh when it matters most. And maybe maybe they have a plan. Maybe they have decided let's win a lot of games early, as many as we can, and then we can get the rest later, get the legs fresher, closer to playoff time. I don't I don't know what the plan is. Joe Mazzulla doesn't really say much about a plan. When asked about a plan, he said basically like, "Yeah, we're going to try to win tonight, bro." And, <laughs> well, right, that's why but, that's why the single game. Like, I don't. I agree that it's like it's probably difficult to look at a single game box score and just like determine the minutes. But with that general approach, 
the one of the strengths of the Celtics team is supposed to be the depth. It's supposed to be that they can have guys like Derek White come in when Brogdon's hurt, when Marcus Smart is hurt, and play starter minutes and be at uh, an exceptional level. It just seems weird to then ride the starters this entire game. Uh, I don't know. It, it just felt like a weird allocation of minutes tonight. And I know you shouldn't read into all of that, but like you do have Derek White who over this winning streak has proven that he is a very good basketball player and can do things more offensively uh, than you need him uh, or than he normally does. It just feels weird to only then play him, um, I guess, 17 minutes in a game, in any game. Like, it feels like that you have enough guys like where Brogdon and White should probably be getting like 25 minutes a game just so you don't have to uh, rely on um, their stars for 35 plus minutes every night. That's easy for me to say where I'm, you know, not trying to coach the team up to win every single basketball game. But I did think like Missoula's answer, like he, he clearly doesn't have a, a long-term strategy and, and maybe that's not on, that's like weird to expect of him because he is a first time head coach and like he wants to win every single game. Um, but it's just something that I think you've been talking about this entire season where they just haven't really figured out a way. And then maybe they just haven't gotten in the blowout wins where they can rest guys. But even when they do get in blowout wins, you can uh, make some comments that he's still leaving in starters uh, a little longer than he needs to. Uh, I guess I understand why he wants to do that. He wants to win every game, but it's just something to be aware of because this team did kind of crumble down the, the stretch last year. They Jason Tatum did look tired in the finals, um, but I don't know what the answer is. Uh, in terms of like getting these guys more rest because as soon as he, uh, you know, starts maybe resting Jason Tatum more people on Twitter are just going to be furious. Like why is Jason Tatum not back in the game? And so it's kind of a, uh, why have they only won six times in their last 10 games? <laughs> yeah. As soon as like you start, like maybe not going full tilt on random regular season games, the people are going to be furious. So it's kind of damned if you do damned, if you don't for Missoula. But I do think, and, and they haven't had their full complement of players lately. Marcus Smart missed some time. Malcolm Brogdon missed some time. Jalen Brown missed some time. Al Horford hasn't played the second leg of back-to-backs. So I think that's part of the reason why Jason Tatum's minutes have been high and Jalen Brown when he's been in, on the court have been high is because they haven't had the depth that you talked about. Um, they – and. Listen, Peyton Pritchard is a great luxury to have. Uh, Luke Cornett has been totally fine. But when when you're missing Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, like the depth that you thought you had just isn't the same. Uh, so I think that's part of a reason for it so far. If they can stay healthier toward the end of the roster, then their top guys will play a little less. But, yeah, and that one – and it was a weird game because the Celtics were like never totally out of it. And no, they got it to eight or seven like repeatedly. And it's like, yeah. oh, is this the run? Is this the run? And then they just really couldn't get stops. Uh, and surprise, surprise, DeMar DeRozan they, they was had a dumb turnovers. King. Yeah, a combination of both. It turns out both are bad when you're trying to make a 15-point comeback. Yeah. So I didn't think that was particularly bad from Missoula with – minutes wise um but they do need to have a plan and and they do need to stick to that plan no matter how games go like that's just how it is you have to sacrifice wins sometimes which is fine 
which is fine, especially when you go on nine-game win streaks. Like, you build yourself a little bit of a cushion there. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle, I think, next weekend. They have a big game against the Mavericks, and then a three games and four nights, all at home, um, with the Kings, Wizards, and Hornets, all... Well, I don't know about Jay King. Your your Sacramento Kings have the best offense in the NBA right now. Um, they do. They overtook the Celtics. Is is literally the Jay King Bowl on Friday night uh, at the Garden? Uh, it's going to be quite impressive. But the Wizards and Hornets should be kind of winnable games. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle that back to back. One thing I wanted to mention: Marcus Smart missed some time and came back and kind of was like, "Yeah." I have a deep bone bruise on my ankle. Uh, it's really gross. There's nothing we can do about it, but there's going to be times where I just miss some games. Uh, I think that led to like them showing highlights from like when he messed up his ankle in the playoffs last year. Still a very gruesome injury. Uh, we had a lot of Twitter doctors out there last night being like, I don't like the way Marcus Smart is moving. Um, as a Twitter doctor myself, I wasn't ready to give that diagnosis that his ankle is still messed up, but... It's definitely something to be to monitor moving forward. Like, what do you think the kind of situation is with Smart, and how do they deal with that moving forward? Is he a guy who you know is going to start resting on back to backs now? Is how do they deal with a guy with a deep, messed up bone bruise in his ankle? Well, first of all, Marcus Smart has always been someone who's been like very honest about injuries. Whereas other guys would be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm coming back. Like, Jason no Tatum's been lying about his wrist injury for six months now. Exactly. Uh, but Smart is just straightforward about stuff. And he'll let you know that, uh, yeah, it's going to hurt me for a while. And the truth is, like, that's kind of normal for some injuries. that They do linger a little bit. And you're still able to play with them and still able to be fine. Uh, I don't think the Celtics training staff would let him on the court. If it were like this pressing, super concerning issue, so it's it's a promising sign that he only missed a couple games, uh, and and we'll see. But obviously, it'd be better if he were totally healthy and he said he were feeling fine and everything like that. But but he's not, and I thought he was like he was under the same spell that the rest of the Celtics were under the we're not ready to play spell, but I I didn't notice too much. He he may, might have limped a couple times like after coming down, but I didn't notice too much other than that about his lack of movement. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but if they have to manage it, then that's why you got Malcolm Brogdon. That's like Peyton Pritchard is sitting there playing no minutes, even though he's been very good when given the opportunity. So Poor Peyton Pritchard, man. I say it's, it all the time. But does he like, deserve, like, even when everyone's healthy, I feel like he deserves a six-minute stint here there. Like, he needs, like, at least just, like, or, yeah, especially in a game last night where the energy was low and, like, they didn't have anything on the defensive end. Like, they really just couldn't get a stop to save their lives. Like, I understand that the, all the guys above him have, a, I guess, a better resume, but... I feel like he showed enough when the guys were out to be like, he can make an impact on games. He can just be a high energy play that is like turning to him in a moment, especially when the team has low energy feels like it makes some sense at this point. But then at the same time, Malcolm Brogdon only played 25 minutes. Derek White only played 18 minutes. It, Sam Howard yeah, only like played you, 12 minutes. You put it's him like, in and like in for Jason Tatum or in for Jalen Brown to like try to stop the energy. Yeah. I, uh, you, it, yeah. It's tough to find those guys. minutes it, when. Uh, 
your star, like your backups uh, are not getting like the, the full load there too. Yeah. But because you brought up Pritchard coming in and giving energy and one of the things that he's done this season, and he, he certainly did against the Thunder during that comeback win against them was forced turnovers. It is so bizarre how rarely the Celtics have forced turnovers this year. Like they are last in the league at forcing turnovers. How? They have Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they have Grant Williams, Derek White, Al Horford, like great, great defenders, and you're last in the league? You can't make anybody more uncomfortable than that. You can't speed them up. You can't you can't get in the passing lanes. You can't like you're last in deflections or second to last, I think, in deflections per game. It's just a weird stat that kind of shows I think that their their defense still has another level to reach. Obviously, when Robert Williams comes back, but even before then, like this defense is not operating at top levels. And I think part of that is just they can outscore people. They have outscored people. They haven't needed to dial up the defense. Um, but it, it's just weird that this this group, which has always been at least okay at forcing turnovers, has just totally stopped doing it. Do you think they're like we're over reliant on the idea of just like we have? Well, obviously don't have our Williams this year, but like he has been their kind of security blanket. Like the thing that was frustrating last night is how easily the Bulls were able to get baskets, where it felt like two passes, and then the Celtics really close out hard, and the the Bulls basically just like felt like they were anticipating that and got so many easy layups just from driving hard closeouts. I don't know like what the reason is for the lack of turnovers or the lack of, of defensive pressure, but it feels like they're just – the Celtics really will drive you off the line for three, but without a, a solid rim protector back there, it feels like it leaves the rim pretty exposed. Yeah, uh, but but they've been pretty great at limiting attempts at the rim. They're one of the best teams in the league at that. They're one of the best teams in – a opposing field goal percentage in shots at the rim so they've been able to cut off the rim even even with you know their their lack of size most of the time I, I think that's actually one of the promising signs that they've had this season is that they've been able to do a good job of that they've been able to rebound at a decent rate defensively um and kind of stay solid there but but the the turnovers a lack of pressure like it's just weird they 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 forced what was it 13 in the second half against the thunder and since then haven't forced more than 11 in any of the three games since like they're they're losing the turnover battle even when they're taking good care of the ball and and when they don't take good care of the ball like they like in portions of the game against chicago they're just giving up too many possessions um so i think that's something that they really have to get better at and obviously it hasn't been a huge issue because they're 13 and 4 and on top of the eastern conference and won out of their last 10 games but it's just something that that's just kind of makes you scratch your head like why <laughs> why have these guys been unable to force turnovers the interesting thing is uh you really hope they don't play the Bulls in the playoffs because the Bulls, you know, have their number. I saw some Bulls bloggers out there being like, Bulls got to make it to the playoffs first. <laughs> well, some Bulls blogger was like, I just, 
I know the Bulls will get waxed by the Cavs, the Bucks, or the Sixers in the playoffs, but I really feel like they have a chance against the Celtics. And it's like, it's funny because they have, the Bulls have dominated the Celtics in Chicago this year. Also wild that they've played the Bulls three times uh, in the first, what is it, 17 games. Um, in other news, Robert Williams is back to three on three. So go the reports. Uh, and seems like he's making progress towards, uh, you know, coming back and playing actual basketball games. What do you think the timeline is for him? And when should, uh, I guess, the Celtics expect him? Do you expect Robert Williams back for Christmas? Is that the best Christmas gift Celtics fans could wish for? Uh, I don't know when to expect him back, but obviously it's good news that he's ramping up the activities. He can play three on three. Uh, he's been kind of like running and jumping for a little while now. So, and we know he likes jumping. Jumping's one of his favorite activities, so that's a good sign. And his it's hilarious because every time he comes back from an injury, he's he always is like, "Yeah, the training staff just tells me to stop being so explosive." <laughs> I only know one speed. I only know one way to jump. <laughs> like, like he just comes back and starts flying all over again, which is hilarious. Uh, but yeah, obviously the and and look they should be as patient as possible with him. They are already winning games. They have, even though Al Horford has played big minutes, the nights he played, like they've still been able to sit him on the second leg of back to backs and at least somewhat manage his load that way. And, and they just need Robert Williams healthy when it matters most. Like that is maybe the, not the biggest key, but eh, maybe the biggest key. It is way up there on their list of priorities is to get Robert Williams healthy, keep him healthy because he transforms their defense. Their offense has been amazing most nights. He transforms their offense. He gives them a rim running threat that they don't even come close to having without him. Like they don't even put, I guess Cornette catches alley-ooper or two here and there reverse dunks left or, and right yeah luke Cornette had one last night did not reverse it um but the difference between the level of pressure he puts on the rim and the level of pressure robert williams puts on the rim is palpable just, palpable yeah. difference and and robert williams he just brings an energy to them that you can't replicate because nobody else is that athletic and passes the ball like he does and forces turnovers and gets steals and blocks and can guard on the perimeter, can guard inside. Like, you you just can't replace that. So, they need him. A hit him playing three on three is, is a great great sign. And and hopefully for them, like they're they're approaching this the right way and getting him the proper maintenance so that when he does come back, it's not like it was at the end of last year where he's in and out of the lineup. Hobbled some nights, better others, where it's, okay, Robert Williams is back, and he's just feeling good. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences, like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we are going to round out the show um, with everyone's favorite optimist, everyone's high-energy guy, Joshua B. How are you feeling after the end of this nine-game win streak? I'm, I'm just so sad because it's, it's like we have no more games. I mean, we're only 13-4, and four and there's only like over 60 games left. Like, we're 13-4. and four. Last year, we had all the reason in the world to be sad because of how we were feeling this year. We've lost to a grand total of two teams. One would be the Cleveland Cavaliers. One would be the Chicago Bulls. What do they have in common? Two-point field goal percentage. They're both in the Midwest. It's all two-point field goal percentage. I read an article by Jay King literally a week ago saying— I know that guy. Yeah, you know that guy. I've heard of him. Saying Missoula likes force teams to take two point field goal percent two point field goals instead of three point field goals that we sh- that we um, chase them off the line that we defend the three better than anybody. Well, who are the two teams in the Eastern Conference who shoot the most two point field goals? I don't know, but I would imagine that they are the Chicago Bulls and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Atlanta Which, Hawks are in there too, but they just didn't make them against the Celtics. Yeah, well, this might happen to be a little. St- all for everybody. Anyway, so moving forward, like, yeah, if we have the best wing depth. We have the best guard depth. And occasionally when you live by the three and die by the three, you would die by the three. It's a good thing that we aren't playing seven games in a row um, of dying by the three, because I imagine that we will live by the three a lot more in, the, in a seven-game series. Right now, the Celtics still have the highest offensive rating. Our defense has been coming around. And as I said in the U.S. show, Robert Williams is coming back, courtesy of Jay King and Sam Packard. So, again, nothing to worry about. We don't face the Bulls for a while. We don't face the Cavs for a while. Um, and when we do, hopefully we'll have Robert Williams back. Thanks for the time. Oh, sign off. Clear and concise, Josh would be. I mean, he, he, I feel like Josh has just worked on his game. Don't you? Yeah. Like, no, he, he took some reps in the offseason. He got more concise. He, he gets straight to his point. He throws little jabs in there. He brings statistics, uh, references. He's good. He, he brought the sarcasm right off the start. Like, that was, that was peak Josh B right there. And Josh B has always been just a fabulous part of this show because you never know what you're going to get. But I feel like he's he's the most improved player in in this organization. Uh, oh, I would have I would have to say so. I I think both of us are, um, you know, we're both Kaizen Warriors. We're both trying to get better each day. But when you reach the top of your game, it's hard to you know work on those little things. <laughs> but with Joshua B, he's coming into his own, and he, I think he provides an important perspective of. 
this is a podcast that is after a loss. And so it's clearly going to be focusing on the negatives or the turnovers, the things that happened in that loss. But the general perspective of, oh, the Celtics just won nine games in a row. They are 13 and four. They have an amazing offense. They have a guy who's clearly playing at an MVP type level. Like everything is generally pretty good for the Celtics. And I, I appreciate Joshua B coming in and giving that perspective because just because this is a podcast after a loss doesn't mean everything is bad for the Celtics. In fact, I would say things are generally good. <laughs> I would tend to agree with that. And so we'll see how they uh, move forward. A huge game against the Mavericks just because the Mavericks have been very annoying uh, over the years, but uh, four home games in a row for the Celtics. Um and it's kind of see if the they can kind of get back to their winning ways against some very winnable uh, games. I'm ex- very excited for the Jay King Bowl on Friday night against Sacramento Kings. Uh, it's funny how I just kind of adopted the Kings only because I said last year that they'd be much improved this year. And now I'm just rooting for myself. It's very funny how, I don't know, during the NBA offseason – a lot like you have like much more national profile and have to talk about like the entire league. Um, I do it some some on the on the Trill Withers show. You guys can check us out on YouTube from twelve to three every day. But like you have some takes that you know what sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. I was dead wrong about the Cleveland Cavaliers. I was just like, oh, I don't think they're going to be that good because they have no depth behind their top four guys. Turns out I'm you know I'm somewhat right because when they're when they're Top four guys are down. They ha- they went on a losing streak. You're a Dean Wade hater. I am a big Dean Wade hater. But I also was absolutely right saying that the Timberwolves were going to be trash and you never could win games. They won four straight all of a sudden. You cannot be sustainably good team with uh, D'Angelo Russell as your point guard. And so, you know what? Sometimes you, you luck into some takes. Sometimes, you, uh, sometimes you're absolutely right. But, Jay, you, you just were a, a savant when it came to the, the Sacramento Kings. And so... Uh, I, I tip my cap to you, sir. Mike Brown, baby. Kevin Herter, baby. De'Aaron Fox, baby. King on Kings. Is lighting the beam potable? Lighting the beam is absolutely potable. That, that's electric. And especially for a team, it was such a cocky move from a team that never wins games. You know, to, to have the, the, the beam after wins. Yeah, to, like, to go to a win gimmick when you're historically a losing franchise is a bold move, but I, I like it, and I feel like it's a, um, you know, maybe Kevin Herter is just the winning personality that Sacramento needs. That was the first sign of franchise confidence. That was the the move that convinced the players to buy in. And, and <laughs> They've been so broken down by the uh, years of inept ownership and coaching and NBA referees just destroying them. And they needed the Red Rocket, Kevin Herter, to come in and light the beam and have confidence. And so I'm going to say it, the King's Minute, it has not found its way into anything as potable yet. It's been a staple of the Athletic NBA show, but um, I'm liking it. I'm feeling jazz just talking about the Kings. And all the Celtics fans on there are probably furious right now that we're just celebrating the Sacramento Kings right now. But yeah, it's entertaining for me. And so I'm going to end the show there just by saying anything is potable. At this point, we've told you anything is potable. And if you don't think another NBA team is potable on anything is potable, you suspect. Hold on, hold on, hold on. One more thing. <laughs> All right. We had we had a caller come on last show to to say that 
basically we just reacted in silence when he came on the show. And it turned out we didn't. And it turned out that <laughs> it turned out I nailed the prediction that as you well. You actually made some incredible prediction. I forget what it was. It uh, was but that someone the, went back to the tapes team. and listened back. There was only be one team that would be dumb enough to take Ennis Cantor, and I said it would be the Houston Rockets, and it was the Houston Rockets. And I made that point on the tape, and then he was the one who was silent. And so, and, and he's the one who, who tried to claim that some things aren't potable because we were silent, but we weren't even silent. It, just a wild, wild turn of events. Folks, anything the, is potable. Folks. The lesson That's here the is true lesson. Anything is potable. We've been telling you this for years now. Ridiculous. <laughs> We'll be back later this week, probably breaking down the Mavericks game, probably breaking down the King Bowl. Uh, we shall see when we find time to record. But we'll be back, and we'll be here all Celtics season. Thank you guys for tuning in to Happy Thanksgiving, folks.